Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. This series that we are in called The Genius of Jesus, The Journey to Your Genius, is about what it takes for us to unlock that potential within all of us. I know that many of us in this room have not always had a positive experience with someone who has either seen or put down the potential that we have in our lives. Sometimes people build this up and sometimes they tear us down. Sometimes they have something positive to say and sometimes they just don't. Sometimes the people that we expect to be the most open and enthusiastic and the most encouraging are sometimes the people who are not like that at all. I don't know about you, but I remember a experience in elementary school when I was asked in grade six, and it was our graduating class, we were gonna be going into junior high or high school, uh, grade seven, and our teacher asked us each, one by one, what career path we wanted to take, what we wanted to be. And, and since I was a little boy, my dad, who was a builder, who had built uh, quite a bit in, in his career in construction in Montreal, uh, was always pushing me to become his architect. And so when my turn came around, the teacher said, Lorenzo, what do you want to be? And I said, an architect, because that's what my father told me I had to be. <laughs> I didn't have a choice. Um, that's what he wanted me to be, that's what I had to be. And so he said, I said that, and then my teacher said, uh, no you won't. That was like her first reaction. And the worst part is that she didn't say anything to anybody else. <laughs> I was the only person in the class who she had said this to. So obviously, she saw some form of structured failure in my life. <laughs> She saw something in me that others had obviously also possibly seen, but had not vocalized. And that moment in my life, in that moment where I thought, you know, she was just going to move on to the next kid or say something nice about what I had just said, I heard the words that would forever define me in terms of wanting to prove myself. And interestingly enough, in that moment, instead of me just letting it drop, I just said, as loud as I could, yes, I will. And then she repeated, no, you won't. And it became this thing between myself and my grade six teacher where she was saying, no, you won't. And I was saying, yes, I will. Until I got sent to the principal's office. And then that was the end of the conversation. Which, to be honest, I had been there many times before. <laughs> Which was probably why she was saying something to that effect. However, it pushed me and drove me to then figure out 
what it was that I did want to do and what it was that I wanted to become. I sometimes wonder back to that moment, are we structured for failure? Is there something in me that is propelling me towards failure instead of success? And was there something in me on that day that my teacher saw that I obviously was blind to or ignorant to or refused to acknowledge? And that even though I was insistent and resistant, it didn't change the fact that there were things that I had obviously shown her during the course of a year that told her that I was going to fail. We don't always pay attention to those things. We can sometimes rail against them with all of our strength and feel like we can somehow overcome and still be successful. But what if there are structures within us that need to be demolished so that we can experience the success that we ultimately desire to have? The genius of Jesus is that he wants to restructure the universe of our life within us. Now all of us have a life and all of us have been living that life and some things have been chosen and other things have been imposed and some of those things have formed us and shaped us to become who we are today. But there is something that Jesus wants to do that Ultimately, we have to be open enough to have him do. And we may not be ready for that. Maybe we're too early in this journey. Maybe this Jesus thing isn't where we're at just yet. But it doesn't change his intent. His desire is nonetheless to restructure that universe that we call life within us. Now, when we think of this life, we think of what it brings to us and not so much what we shape with it. In fact, when you have conversations with people, they'll always talk to you about the life that is happening rather than the life that they are shaping. And what Jesus does is that he comes into our life so that we stop having this crazy narrative where we are deceiving ourselves that life is happening to us instead of us being able to shape it. The future isn't just something waiting for us. It is something that every day we can make decisions about to create. And what God is enabling us to understand is how to actually make that happen. And so what Jesus does is that he reveals principles that do a few things. And these few things are incredibly meaningful. They are of great substance. They are life-altering. They reshape the universe that is your life. The first is that he reshapes your compass. I still remember early in my childhood, my geography class, where we got to play with the compass for the first time, where we got to look at a topographical map and, and figure out what direction 
the compass would lead us to and, and, and the teacher would give us clues on that map and we would have to find it with the compass by looking at the map. To this day, I've never struggled with direction. It's so not true, it's the opposite. <laughs> I love that class, but I, I, my nickname should be U-Turn, not Zoe. I, for whatever reason, I, I, I tend to just drive off in a direction to only to realize that it's the wrong way. I, I, I once got on and got off a highway four times. When I was in my uh, early teens, like 17, 18, 19, I was remember in that span where, where we were going to a concert and, and I kept getting on and off the highway but going in the wrong direction. I missed the place. We almost missed the entire concert. And it was because I was driving and didn't have a clue what direction uh, east or west was. Interestingly enough, God doesn't want to just shape the direction of your life. He wants to help you to have what we have understood to be a moral compass. And I think of how he wants to shape our character so that he can increase our capacity, so that we can be the champion in this life that he has desired us to become. I don't know if you see the progression here, but for my character to be changed, I, I need to know the direction. And, and, and for my character to be impacted, I, I, I have to be able to go towards the right thing, and, and I'm not going to be able to do that to then see my capacity increased. And so what Jesus does is when he talks about restructuring our life so that we're no longer geared towards failure, but a better version of success, a new definition of it, he says, I'm going to help you with your compass, your character, I'm going to increase your capacity, and I'm going to make you a champion. And I look at what Jesus has done in our lives and in many of our lives so far. And I can see that, that the genius of Jesus is that he just simply wants you to discover your personal genius, what you were put on this earth for. And, and I've heard people kind of lament the fact that can we just finally just stop talking about intention and purpose. People are tired of hearing this word. It's become so gimmicky. Uh, one of the things that I do uh, in my life is I'm a, a, a pro sports chaplain and, and life coach, and I get to work with all the professional teams in the city. And that gives me access to players and management and locker rooms and, 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 and games and all that that comes with that. But what it doesn't do is that it doesn't make me a better known personality in the city. What it doesn't do is it doesn't increase my capacity to build my brand or to build my stardom. What it does is that it gives me an opportunity to serve people in places that many people just don't have access to. It, it makes me a servant in a different context, not a star. 
And so when we understand this, then we understand that, that Jesus all along has been helping me not to become an athlete, but he has helped me to become a servant to athletes, to help them in their spiritual journey. When I thought I would become an athlete and be on those fields or on that court, I now realize that what God was doing was that he was building me into a person who would help those who would be. I didn't know that at first. I didn't understand that. But God helped me clarify things with my compass. And he worked in my character. And then he increased my capacity. And then he redefined what a champion would look like for me. And I want you to understand that when we're on this journey, individually, God does the same thing. He wants to help you to discover that genius. And, and, and the genius is that you get to reshape every environment that you're in. And, and it doesn't matter what it is that you do or what field you're in or what you have access to, however, is incredibly important. That sphere of influence is where God wants you to express your genius. And it is in that environment that you are going to be able to do exactly that. And so if we were to break this down in terms of understanding this word, genius, that we've been using a lot, it's, I think, a level of human capacity that changed our understanding of human creativity. And so a person came along and did things so radically different that everybody looks at this person and says, they're a genius. Because that became the new standard by which life now is understood. We understood it this way until this person came along and gave us a brand new definition of that. And so genius is when our understanding of things is now based on their discovery on what they were able to accomplish. We now see and understand the world this way. And, and a prodigy is, is someone that when we look at someone who's really young in age, we say it's impossible that this person at their age would be able to have this ability or this experience to be able to accomplish this. Because if it takes 10,000 hours for a person to practice at something, to become an expert in it, we look at someone like a prodigy and say, they didn't have 10,000 hours. They didn't even have 10 days in some, in some cases. They didn't even have 10 weeks. No one even sat down and taught them the subject matter. But look, they're teaching us. They are a prodigy. Has anyone ever looked at you and said you were a genius? Has anyone ever looked at you and said you're a prodigy? I know that that has happened in, in my life, like probably daily, when I talk to myself. <laughs> and that's about it. 
No one has ever told me those things. So if I don't tell myself, I don't walk around feeling very smart or feeling like a genius or feeling like a prodigy. Because the reality of my life shows, in most cases, a structure for failure rather than success. How about you? And in the journey that I'm in, God has been reshaping that and redefining that and helping me to better understand that. There's something about being a prodigy that was identified early in Jesus' life. Now, we don't know a lot about his life before he turns 30, but we do have moments in which the scriptures give us insight into his prodigious life. In fact, in Luke chapter 2, if we can just read these verses from 24 to 29. And the verse that we're about to read is a story of when Mary and Joseph are traveling with Jesus and they lose him. Now, what's interesting about this story, and I think it's actually pretty hilarious, that that day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came, so the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there and he took the child in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. And so Jesus, at his birth, is presented at the temple. And someone is there to mark that moment. And in that moment, Jesus is called a prodigy. In that moment of his birth, he's a prodigy. The next moment we see is when Jesus is now 12 years old, and he is no longer with his parents, and his parents only notice one day later. Now, have you ever lost anything, like your keys? Anybody ever, ever lost, like, your phone, an iPad, something like that, right? Like, something that, of, of importance and of value to you. I, I think we all have. Has anyone here ever lost a kid? Okay, I have. I lost my son I, at, a, at a car show. Um, thank God for Lexus, because that's where he was. I found him at Lexus. I was at Cadillac and I lost him, and, but Lexus found him. And that day reminded me of, of how I can lose sight for a moment, and that's all it would take uh, for my three-year-old son to just be gone. And in that moment, I, I became so afraid to ever have that happen again that it only happened one more time after that. And then that's it, just happened twice. Lost my kid twice. But I never lost him for a day. Now, when God was choosing parents, he chose Mary and Joseph and he, and he made this incredible choice where to this day, no one is revered more than Mary. Come on, we pray to Mary sometimes. We believe in Mary, we, we ask for her protection, but Mary lost her kid. And not for a minute, for a day. And then they had to travel back. And then they found him at the temple. And when they walk up to Jesus and they say, Jesus, like, why didn't you, like, answer your phone when we called you? <laughs> that may not be in the scriptures. Uh, what happened in that moment was that 
Jesus says, where else would I be but in my father's house? Now, in that moment, Jesus does something. He answers their question with a question, which in the 70s would have gotten me in an old school beating. To this day, you know, I, I, I still remember those beatings. I, I couldn't talk back like that. And, and what Jesus does is that he reveals his prodigy, he reveals his genius by answering a question with a question. Because he's helping each of us get to a deeper meeting. And the genius of Jesus is not the answers he provides. The genius of Jesus is that he astonishes us still to this day with his questions. That when he asks those questions, it reveals an inner universe that needs a new compass, whose character needs to be reshaped, whose capacity is less than what it was intended for so that he can lead us to becoming the champion in this life the way that he always designed. Can we say amen to that? Amen. You see, it is important that Jesus drives us to consider the questions that really matter in this life. And that's why the story of Hannah and Samuel and a priest by the name of Eli are so important because in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 to 10, we're not going to read it, we're going to rush ahead, is that in this story, Hannah couldn't have a child. She has Samuel. She gives Samuel to the service of God. And now Eli is responsible for this child and making sure he learns and hears the voice of God. And what is powerful about this moment is that as Samuel finds himself in this temple, he hears the voice of God for the very first time. And he thinks it's the voice of Eli the priest. And so he goes to Eli and he says, you called me? And Eli says, go back to bed. I did not call you. And Samuel goes back to bed and he hears God call him a second time. And he goes back to Eli and says, you called me? And what's happening in the story is that for the very first time, we see Samuel hearing the, verse, the voice of God. And what we see is Eli who has forgotten it. And, and, and Samuel is a child. And, and God is choosing him as his prodigy to now reshape what it looks like to be a servant of the Lord. And he's no longer going to use Eli. He's going to use Samuel. And so he's introducing himself. But Samuel doesn't know this until finally Eli says on the third time that Samuel comes to him and says, the next time that you hear your name called, say these words, your servant is listening. And in that moment when Samuel does that, he is not only introduced to God, but God begins to lead him on a journey of personal discovery. And what the genius of Jesus is, is that he reminds us to listen as a child. 
He wants us to see this story so that we can understand the next one. And in Matthew chapter 18 and verses 1 to 3, in these verses it says about the time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And so they all wanted to achieve something in this life, all of his disciples. And they would often argue about who would be the greatest among them in the kingdom that Jesus was building. In fact, in one time, a mother even came and said, Jesus, can both my sons sit on either side of you in the new kingdom that you are establishing? And Jesus said to the woman, you don't know what you're asking because Jesus already knew that he'd be hanging on a cross and didn't want the same thing for her sons. And so when we think we have the answer of what success looks like, we sometimes need to understand that God is already speaking to us about how he wants to redefine our understanding of that success. And in the story that we were in, in the verse that we were in, if we can go back to it, in verse 3, he says, I tell you the truth, that unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. And so the genius of Jesus is this, that instead of us moving into adulthood, we are encouraged towards childhood. Now, all my life, I have been told to grow up. My wife still says that. <laughs> Not all the time, but sometimes it comes out. Grow up. There is something about being challenged to leave childhood and childhood things behind so that we can be adults and mature and move into adulthood and do adulty things, right? But why would Jesus then come to us and tell us that to enter into the kingdom of heaven, to be a part of his kingdom, it wasn't by being an adult, it would be by being like a child. And he brings children into his midst and he says, I need you to become like this child. And the genius of Jesus is this, is that he knows that if we go back to childhood, it will reawaken creativity and uniqueness within each of us. If we will go back to where Jesus is telling us to go back, then we will understand this in a way that Nicodemus couldn't. Nicodemus came to him and asked him, Jesus, what must I do or be to be born again? What must I do or be to be part of the kingdom of God? And you know what Jesus told him? Jesus told him, you have to be born again. And, and Nicodemus says, am I supposed to re-enter my mother's womb? We all know this cannot be. This cannot be done. Once you're out, you can't go back in. We've moved away from childhood to adulthood. How could I possibly do what it is that you are asking? But what Jesus was telling him is that you experience the kingdom of God when you become a child again. It said in numerous articles that when we're children, we are all 95% the 
divergent. And then by the time we get to the age of 12, just as we begin to enter into a form of adulthood, that we become convergent. And only 5% of the population remains divergent. And what we now know and understand is that being a child and having childlike qualities is important for genius. It is important for expression so that we can have a unique voice, so we can do the very things that we have, might have decided that is no longer for us because we're a certain age and stage in our adulthood. But the genius of Jesus, by telling us to become a child again, is that he's telling us that we are to no longer be led by fear and shame, but be propelled instead by openness, curiosity, and discovery instead. Because when you're a child, you have a big head, it's true. And when you have a big head, your little body doesn't know how to support it. And before you can walk, you crawl. But before you can even crawl, what you're doing is you're moving that gigantic head towards what you are curious about. And you are curious about the things that you are open to discovering. And as you move your head, you begin to then get to the point where you can then crawl to the point where then you are so wobbly that when you walk, you just mostly fall. But it gets to the point where even the fear or the pain cannot stop you from exploring. And what God is saying is that if you will allow yourself to be a child again, if you will allow this genius to be unlocked in you, then you can keep exploring without fear, without shame, and know that I have new things that I can still do in you and through you. And that is part of the genius of Jesus in the teaching that we are in. It is the genius of Jesus that we are reminded that not even the fear or the pain of failure is enough. And so we want to allow for the curiosity and for the wonder to grow within all of us. But Jesus, in his genius, tells us that that's going to happen if we are willing and ready to become like a child again. And we cannot become a child, but we can become like one and have the curiosity and the wonder to keep exploring and keep experiencing the great things that God has in store for each of us. And God will help each of us unlock that genius. Amen? Can we pray together? And so, Father, I want to thank you for each person that is here, for those that are watching, and for how you have enabled each of us to, to listen and to better understand what it is that you have spoken to us about of becoming 
a child again. You showed us what it looked like to ask questions and to be curious and to explore, to discover, and what it looks like to still be able to do that in the spheres of influence that you have placed us in, that you still have great things in store for all of us, and more importantly, you're going to help us to make this world a better place, because as we are encouraged to become better, then we make everything around us better too. So you help us to change, then we can bring that change into the world and that we are affecting every day. And Lord, I pray that you would do that for each of us, that you would bring about that change and, and that transformation. And we ask this now as we pray it in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you immensely.